Aaron, actually, I'm going to write this on my hand right now. My friend Aaron leaves a pa- post-it notes in her car. So when she thinks of something, she puts a post-it on her dashboard. That's genius. She has her kids write it and stick it on the dashboard if she's driving. That's like that. genius. And every time I'm in the car, I'm like, this is when Aaron's plan would really come in handy, except I'm driving. <laughs> the post-it. Okay, this is the clip before the show. This is the genius clip before the show. (laughs) Uh, I'll have to let Erin know we gave her a shout out. Totally. (laughs) Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara. And we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out. But one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Kate. Hi, Kara. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Kitten. Uh, <laughs> we're good. I'm having trouble with our kitten um, because she likes to play and swim in the dog's bowl. And I'm eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But but things are better. We're like more on track. Like, and she's not, kind her of. tummy's feeling better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that, yeah, thankfully that was very short-lived. But no, she's just, this is like the age where Mm -hmm. I forgot. This is the age when George ate like three of my computer power cords. So expensive. Yeah. Yeah. He only chewed on Why is it always the expensive wires? That happened to our... very fine taste. (laughs) There was one week where my dog ate a phone charger, like the last phone charger. (laughs) The MacBook cord and the Chromebook cord, and you had a dog eat oh, earbuds. And then she, and then she electrocuted herself when we were putting up the Christmas tree because she chomped <laughs> those. And then she never bit anything again. <laughs> Lesson learned. But I wish she had gone for the Christmas lights first because those were the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> but it was Black Friday. Do you remember that? I think I talked I do. about it. We're having this family moment, and yeah. then. It went out, and the kids were like, and it was know, like Christmas music yelp. playing. It was like, Wah. yeah, she yelped. She was okay. She was fine. But she never did it again. And the kids were like, can you go out and get Christmas lights? And I was, I hate shopping anyway. I was like, on Black Friday? No. <laughs> so just a true Black Friday. No. <laughs> like, it we still looks pretty. Yeah. We have to wait until, like, after Cyber Monday or whatever. Because yeah. now it's no. just... Shopping just basically starts on Black Friday, and then it's... I was not that merry to go out and do that. Yeah. Like we can just, we'll just have some hot chocolate and listen to music. That works. That still works. Oh, my goodness. What a tangent. <laughs> yes, but we have Kate back. Kate's yes, no. And I'm so, I'm so excited to have Kate back. Um, Kate was our math phone friend in a previous episode, and we had so many people ask questions that we wanted to have her back to answer all the questions about math, because math can be a little scary and a little intimidating, and Kate has a way about her. She might be a fairy. I'm not sure. She has like a, a superpower. Fairy. She keeps math from being intimidating, but she still knows She's so, like, entrenched in the world of math that she also has, like, all these great resources and, like, studies and things to back it up. So, it's like, not only does she calm you down, she's like, I'm going to tell you something comforting, and then I'm also going to tell you about, like, this study that they did that is going to make you feel like I'm not just making this up and trying to make you feel better. I don't know. She's magic. (laughs) She is magic. (laughs) 
So Kate Snow is a mom, a math educator, and a curriculum creator. She currently has five books, and we're going to be talking a lot about her Facts That Stick series in this episode. She also has two video courses on her site at kateshomeschoolmath.com, and we'll be sure to include that link and links to her books over at our site at thehomeschoolsisters.com. Kate has taught math from preschool through high school, and she's the only person, as far as she knows, to graduate from Harvard with both a math degree and an elementary teaching certificate. And we said this before, but she won't brag about that. Like, I found that out somehow, and like, we just, I keep telling people that. She won't mention it. She's very, <laughs> we do. She's very humble, but she's amazing. Um, and we'll she's be the also. She's <laughs> cheerleaders. <laughs> yes. This very much Harvard. She knows, she makes you feel good, but she also knows what she's talking about. Exactly. We'll put that into a cheer. It'll be very <laughs> eloquent. Tell <laughs> we were a cheerleader. Right? <laughs> Yay, math. Um, so she has homeschooled her own kids, so she understands like what it's really like. And um, her whole mission is to help parents teach math with confidence. I got to hang out with her last year at the Cincinnati Great Homeschool Convention, and I just felt like she's a sister at heart. Um, and then I actually called her over the summer when I was having just a little tiny math freakout. And it was probably the best hour that I've invested in math in my whole life because I just walked away like, (sighs) and we've been using what she recommended and it's, it's working. Yay. We had Kate on the podcast back in October of last year. And today she's joining us again to answer a whole bunch of listener questions. So should we call Kate? Yes, we should. Today's episode is sponsored by chalkpastel.com. ChalkPastel.com is a homeschool family of three generations with awesome, no-fuss video art lessons for all ages. Lessons are taught by mother-daughter team Nana and her daughter, Hodgepodge mom, Trisha. It all started when Nana taught her five grandchildren around the kitchen table about a decade ago. This homeschool family is all about frugal. There are no expensive, intimidating list of art supplies. Just add chalk pastels and construction paper. The Stein family says, have any of you followed along with one of Nana's art tutorials before? They are fantastic. She truly makes you feel like you are an artist. She's calm and relaxing, just like watching Bob Ross. We are loving our membership. One of the best things I've added to our homeschool this year. You are an artist lessons include everything from seasonal celebrations, tea time, favorite books, hymns, nature, sharks, Art techniques, acrylics, American landmarks, I drew it and then knew it history art lessons, preschool, and even the far reaches of space. Nana has recently started several new series on drawing maps, famous artists, composers, presidents, and favorite hymns. Join the UR and Artist Clubhouse membership for instant access to this huge bank of art lessons. You are an artist clubhouse member, Lisa Leupold said, I just wanted to let you know how very much we enjoy Nana in this program. It's completely unique and so well designed for use as an educational tool as well as an art lesson. Bravo. We are loving art and we have never been artists before. And Kate, your family has used this resource, right? We've been using Nana's art lessons for years. And I was saying before we got on today that 
when I look back at some of the posts that I've written, it just gives me such awesome memories of doing art with my kids with their, I mean, they're just so teeny. So we've (laughs) loved all of the, I mean, all of them. We've never done one that we haven't loved, but our favorites are the ones around holidays and Shark Week. Oh, yeah. Kara, I just saw you in your Instagram stories yesterday, something about Nana's apple pie. Yes, we made Nana's apple pie. And just like everything Nana does, it was filled with magic. It was so good. And the the really sweet thing is that I said, we're going to make an apple pie today. And of course, my, my kids were excited because we're making apple pie. But then when I said we're going to make Nana's apple pie, their eyes just lit up because they just, Aww. they love doing lessons with her. And I love it because she teaches. So I just get to like do the lessons too. It's so calming. It's like a total reset on a bad day, on any day. I just, I love that you can bring Nana right to your kitchen table. I love it too. I always think that I'm going to do like give the, set the kids up with their lessons and then go and do something else but I can't help join in the fun when yeah. Nana's teaching because it's just so it is so calming a reset for everybody yeah so grab your free get started in chalk pastels art video art lessons and don't miss the 15% discount code in the accompanying ebook at chalkpastel.com that's www.chalkpastel.com slash product slash chalk hyphen pastel hyphen art hyphen video hyphen art hyphen lesson. And that's a long one. So we'll put a link in the show notes over at the homeschoolsisters.com. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, guys. It's so great to be with you. We are thrilled that you're back. We had such great response last time you were here. And I think you just helped put tons of hearts at ease. So we're glad that you were willing to come back for round two. <laughs> well, that's my goal. It's great to be here again. I'm excited to dive into these great questions that some of your listeners have. And we will make sure we link to your previous episode in the show notes. Um, so for those who haven't heard that one yet, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and what you do? Sure. So my name is Kate Snow, and I uh, write at kateshomeschoolmath.com. And I'm just on a mission to help parents teach math with confidence. I know that math can be a really scary topic for homeschoolers, um, especially if you didn't have a great math education yourself or have never felt really great at math yourself. And so I'm really here to just kind of help parents relax about math, enjoy math with their kids, and teach it really well to raise kids who are capable and confident in math. Um, I'm the author of several uh, books. I'm the author of math, the Math Facts That Stick series. Um, which covers addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. And I've also written Preschool Math at Home, which is a bunch of of fun uh, activities that help lay a really great foundation of math for little ones. Um, And those are available from Peace Hill Press and from Amazon. Perfect. And we will put links to all of those in the show notes. And to, to get us started, so we posted questions on several different spots, but we got a lot of feedback on Instagram. And our first question today is from someone who just pulled her son out of sixth grade, and she's wondering how you would suggest beginning with math. So that's a great question because a lot of parents end up in that position and it's a scary place to be, right? All of a sudden you're thrown into this huge world where you have to figure out what you're doing for every subject, figure out your kid's learning style, how you want to teach. There's so much going on when you're in that place. Um, And so my first suggestion would be to just give yourself, take a deep breath, 
and know you're not going to necessarily get it perfect the first time. Um, figuring out a math curriculum that's a good fit for a child, especially when you're starting in sixth grade, could take a little bit of trial and error. So let yourself off the hook as much as possible. <laughs> it might take a little experimentation. It might take a little trying things out before um, you find a good fit. Um, on my website, I do have a list of some of my favorite math programs. Um, so we can link to that in the show notes, kind of my top five um, as a place to start. Um, and, but at some point, you're just going to have to try something. Gather up some samples, show them to your child. Um, I'd say for a sixth grader, their input is very, very important. Um, you want to get buy-in on this you know, as much as possible. Find something that's a good fit for your child and for you. Um, and then the other thing that's really important is that you have your child do a placement test. Um, kids can be so all over the place in terms of where they're at in their math skills. And different programs vary. You know, sixth grade is not going to be the same from one program to another. So once you've found a sample of a program that looks good and your child is interested as well, um, do the placement test. Your child might place a year higher. Your child might place a year lower. Um, but you should go with wherever they're placed. Otherwise, either your child will be bored or frustrated. And that is not going to be a happy start to homeschool math together. Um, so those are kind of my key tips look at the samples, get kid buy-in, do a placement test, and don't be afraid to fail. <laughs> it might take a couple <laughs> options. That's always an option in life, but uh, especially when you're choosing math curriculum, it might take a little bit to get there. And if you're absolutely stuck and you didn't hate the program your child was using in public school, you know, those used books are usually available for quite cheap on Amazon. And if you're overwhelmed by everything else, it's perfectly fine to just get that textbook and carry on for the year until you have your feet under you a little bit more. Oh, I love, I love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really, that's really good. And I think there's a lot there even for people who aren't just, just pull the kid out, you know, people who are just kind of maybe at a point where things aren't working and they're trying to figure mm -hmm. it all out again. So, oh, that's terrific. Yeah. yeah um, people are sometimes really scared, you know, about changing curriculum, but mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, your child changes, your family's needs change and all those same kind of general guidelines apply. Um, if you're thinking about changing curriculum as well. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, so I have to sing the praises of your facts that stick books. We are doing multiplication right now. And we love it, and it's fun, and it's games, and it's totally taking the, any like, um, what's the word I'm looking for, where you're, you're overwhelmed, and you're scared, and you're, intimidation, taking mm. the intimidation out of it. So, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to hear that, Kara. Yeah, we, we love it. Yeah, oh. yeah, really, really good. Um, so we have a question that um, is, do you suggest using an additional curriculum along with your Facts That Stick series? So the Facts That Stick series is really designed to be a supplement. You know, it just covers the basic building blocks of math, you know, addition facts, subtraction, multiplication, division. Um, so it's certainly not a full elementary program. Um, for a parent who has like a first or second grader and really just wants to focus on those basics, I think it can be fine. You know, it could be kind of your first grade curriculum and you hopefully then you'd add some measuring activities, do some place value activities, uh, geometry, things like that. Um, but beyond that, it's really not meant to stand alone. There's a lot more that kids need to learn about math. It gives kids the building blocks they need to tackle those harder concepts, but 
uh, it really helps to have a full curriculum to cover those. And I'll say too, you know, I write math curriculum, but I've always used curriculum with my own kids because it's just too hard to come up with what you need to do every day and to be consistent about it when you have to make a decision every morning. Um, And so I definitely recommend using a full curriculum along with the facts that stick books and not just on their own. Perfect. And so what would you suggest using after the facts that stick series? Uh, well, there's a lot of really great math programs out there, which really gets to what we were talking about uh, with the mom who pulled her kid out of school. Um, we'll get that link to some of my favorites out there. Um, but there are a lot of good programs, and there's definitely no one fits, you know, one size fits all solution. Um, it takes some looking through. Um, but the other thing I would say is that while there's no one size fits all solution, there's plenty of um, it fits okay enough solutions. Um, <laughs> so there's also not one perfect solution necessarily for each family. Um, and people can drive themselves a little crazy looking for that too. So um, to pick something, go for it and give it a good try before you go, you know, throw your hands up and try something else. I bet that happens more with math just because it's seen by so many as an intimidating subject that you're just like, we need to switch, you know, mm-hmm. the constant switching. Mm-hmm. I know it's okay to switch, but I bet it's because you're looking for that perfect sort of fit. Yeah. And, and for, you know, for some kids, math is just going to be hard. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. And it's sometimes freeing to be like, you know, this is going to be frustrating and difficult sometimes. And it's not the curriculum. It's not the kid. It's not the parent. It's just how this subject may be. And, you know, I'm all about trying to alleviate that as much as possible, Um but it's sometimes things are a little tough. Sometimes you got to persevere and, you know, moms shouldn't feel like they have to totally redo everything every time they hit <laughs> yeah. one of those points. Cause that's a lot of pressure too. You know, just when you were talking, this is not a question that we got this time, but I was thinking that, you know, sometimes too, what works for one child in your family might not work for another child in your family. And I mean, you, cause I think you said something like, um, you know, that it might not, you might not find something that's the perfect fit for your family. And then you might find something that's the perfect fit for one kid. And then the mm-hmm. other one doesn't. So do you, do you say like, is, is your thought kind of go with what works for the kid if possible? Or is it better? Yeah, to, as okay. much, you know, as much as of course, families can afford that to buy like a second set of books. And of course, there's a little bit of a learning curve usually for a parent to have to figure out another program. Um, but it's often well worth it. Um, Because I think, you know, one thing that is, uh, I think people sometimes undervalue about the differences between math programs is that they often take a very different, um, like, mental approach to the problems. Like, some are very much like I'm, like, are more whole to parts, like I'm going to present you the concept and then we're going to do a lot of problems. Others are much more, we're going to do a lot of specific examples and then we're going to generalize and understand the big ideas. And kids often click with one of those approaches more than the other. Um, and un- and sometimes if it ta- if it's not a good match for a child learning style, it really is that they just need a different program, that a different approach would help them understand math better. Um, and so it's worth changing sometimes. We're having a, a different program for each child. So our next question is, my eighth and second graders can't seem to memorize addition and multiplication facts. Should I keep going or stop and have them memorize? Oh, that is such a good question. I hear this a lot from people because often, you know, we talk about mastery in math. The, you know, math is a a subject where each 
a new concept builds on the previous concept. And so it's very helpful to kind of do that in the, the ideal order. Um, but kids, of course, don't always follow our ideal orders. Um, they are messy individual human beings. And so um, moms can often get stuck thinking like, oh, my gosh, my kid hasn't mastered the addition facts. And so I shouldn't do anything else until they have mastered the addition facts. Um, but usually that leads people to very unhappy places. Um, you know, it's so demoralizing for both a mom and a kid to do the same thing over and over and over for weeks and weeks. Um, it's frustrating. It's boring. Um, and there's some really interesting research, too, on that we actually remember things better as um, it gets spaced out. Like if everything's all clumped together, our brains don't have to work quite so hard. But as things start to get more spaced out, it actually helps us learn better. Um, and I've been reading that and completely fascinated by this idea. And so my general advice for parents when they feel like their kid is stuck on a concept in math is, you know, spend a few weeks on it. Give it a really good go. But after that, it's time to switch gears if your child just is not getting that topic. They might just not be developmentally ready for it. They may have be developing kind of an emotional block because of the intensity with which you've been looking at that topic. Um, I know with my daughter in kindergarten, she developed this like hatred of subtraction signs. It was so <laughs> irrational. But like it really bugged her that you couldn't like in addition, you know, you like three plus four, you can switch the numbers and still get the same results. And it just like drove her crazy that in subtraction you couldn't do that. That three minus four is not the same thing as four minus three. And it was like silent treatment, like you know, flicking <laughs> the counters. Like it was really bad. I was like, okay, never mind. Like we just need to put this aside, you know. <laughs> And that's like a kindergarten level example. But I think that happens, you know, with fourth graders in long division or sixth graders in fractions. Um, if there's too much focus and if a parent's especially worried about it, it just amps all that emotion up. Um, so spend a few weeks on things and then give it a rest. Um, sometimes that might mean you can't go on quite to the next topic you wanted to. Like if your child hasn't mastered the addition facts, it's really not worth your time to do three-digit addition. You know, you're going to spend so much time figuring out those addition yeah. facts. But there's a lot of other good math you can do. You can work on subtraction and then cycle back to addition. You can do geometry. You can do measurement. You can do place value. Um, so to kind of move to something else and then cycle back. And when you cycle back, maybe you do it in like smaller bits. Um, so, for example, with the addition facts, I'd probably take a month or two off and then say, hey, let's work on the plus one and plus two facts for five minutes today. Um, and so to break that up, make it a little bit more manageable. And now with that question, did the, was that a second grader, an eighth grader for that question? Yes. yes. I think the other thing that you really have to keep in mind as a parent is that what's going to be appropriate at one age is not always appropriate at another age. So for that parent, I'd say for your second grader, definitely keep working on those addition facts. You know, cycle back, spend a few minutes a day, um, break them into small chunks. Those are worth working on to give your child like full mastery of those and confidence in math. But if your eighth grader hasn't mastered them and you've been working on them, you know, for these last eight years, likely, it's time to let it go. And there's, you know, I'd want to know more about that child's learning profile, what their strengths and weaknesses are and what's going on with them to like fully understand that situation. But at that, if there's been any sort of work on those addition facts and they're still having that much trouble, clearly like there's something about that way that child learns and remembers things where it's just not going to happen and it's not worth the time. Um, it's okay to use an addition chart, to use a calculator at this point, 
and to move on to be able to tackle those high school topics, you know, middle school and high school topics that that child needs to be working on to get ready for, for the future and to be moving into more abstract thinking about numbers and understanding it in a different way. Oh, I love that. I feel like you just gave parents permission to not like keep beating their heads against the wall every day, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and That's I, a terrible way to be living, isn't it? That just yeah. makes you hate it and dread it and it's no fun for anybody. Right, right. Oh, that's good. Um, So this kind of goes along with that question. And um, it's how do you know that your child truly understands a math fact or math concept? And then, you know, that you can move on to other stuff. (laughs) Right. And I mean, my honestly, when I think about this, my first answer is, well, you kind of (laughs) don't. Yeah, your crystal ball or your... Yeah. I mean, the best way, of course, to understand if your child or to know if your child understands a math topic is to have them try to teach it back to you. Um, You know, do an example, have them explain what they're doing, tell you about why it works the way it does or to teach somebody else it. uh, The topic, often that's the best way to really know how deep a child's understanding is. But even if your child can do it perfectly today, like 10 long division problems, I can explain the steps. I understand the place value. I know why it all works. You know, when you come back to a long division problem next month, they might still like give you that stare of like, I have no idea what's going on here. Um, And it's so hard for us as parents because we know we've taught that, right? Like when I was a fifth grade teacher, often my fifth graders would have forgotten all sorts of stuff by the time they, you know, we got say around to long division in November. But then I could like, you know, blame the fourth grade teachers in my head. Like, oh, they must have not taught it well. They must have not done it well enough or didn't do enough examples or whatever. But the reality is probably my fourth grade colleagues had done it just fine. And it had just been six months since my fifth graders had tackled fractions or percentages or whatever. And so I kind of had to start from scratch. But as a parent, you know that you did it. And so it's so frustrating to see that happen over and over. Um, So... So I guess I would say that even if you know your child has mastered a concept, when you move on, they're still going to forget stuff. So and it's not not their fault, not your fault, not the book's fault. It's just part of the process of learning. Um, so be prepared to review, be prepared to revisit, and try to be as unfrustrated as possible <laughs> because it makes everybody <laughs> happier. It makes it much more pleasant to just accept it rather than to fight it. Well, I think about that sometimes with like even being the person teaching it in that scenario where I open up the book and I think oh my gosh I don't remember this and then (laughs) you know you do a little bit and you're like it comes back but Mm -hmm. I haven't done a lot of long division in the last few weeks so you know (laughs) 20 years yeah (laughs) exactly um I don't need I don't need that as much as my teachers told me I was going to every day um Mm -hmm. so yeah For sure. I know I'm tutoring a student in Algebra 2 this year, and I haven't done Algebra 2 in quite a while. And so I definitely have that feeling where I open the book. I'm like, oh, it's familiar, but (laughs) I definitely need to read through this and be ready to to be ready to teach it. I need to bring some things back to the front of my mind that have not been there for a while. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's reassuring. It's not just us. (laughs) It's everybody. (laughs) So what would you say is the most important thing to do when your child is not at grade level in math? Oh, that is a question I hear so much because it's so stressful to feel like your child's not where you want them to be. Um, And 
it again, this is one of those questions where it depends a lot at where exactly your child, where your child is age wise, um, and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but I think what's most, what I found most helpful for parents is to think about what the most important thing is at each stage of math learning. So in the elementary years from like first grade to fourth grade or fifth grade or so, kids learn about so many different things, you know, geometry, measurement, patterns, numbers, data, um, graphs. Um, but what really matters during those years is developing a strong understanding of the four operations. So if your child is behind, you want to start with addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, you know, learning the basic facts, doing mental math with those, and being able to solve them with multi-digit numbers. Like that's kind of the core task of first through fourth grade. Um, and so that's like kind of the first big chunk to focus on mastering. Um, then in middle school, like fifth through eighth grade or so, um, kids are really starting to, they're really focused on fractions, percents, and decimals. And so if your kid's in middle school and you feel like they're behind, focus on those things. That's like the core understandings that they're developing in those years. Um, how to convert between the different ways of representing parts, you know, fractions, percents, and decimals, adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing, reasoning about them. If you don't cover parallel lines in sixth grade, like nothing bad is going to happen. You know, if you don't do <laughs> scatter plots, um, there's like a lot of topics in there. And so sometimes it just really helps to know kind of this is what I've got to focus on and other things are just a little more tangential. Um, and also just know that just because something's in a textbook doesn't mean that's like absolutely required for sixth grade math. Um, it's just unbelievable how many topics get stuffed into math books for so many reasons. Um, like I worked on a, a public school math curriculum years ago in my 20s and that was during the era of state standards where every state had their own standards. And so we'd literally be like, okay, here's the fourth grade scope and sequence. Ah, but you know what? Florida requires line plots. And so I'd be like, okay, we got to put the line plot like lesson in there, you know? Oh, and like New York state, they want kids finding the median of numbers. Oh, we got to have a lesson on medians. And so math books as a, whole tend to be overstuffed. Um, homeschoolers have more flexibility, so they tend to be not quite as badly stuffed as public school textbooks. But just because it's in the textbook doesn't mean you have to cover it. Um, this is what we were covering last time, Kara, mm -hmm. when we were talking about how we never finished right. textbooks in school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you yeah. just trusted that the teacher was like the things that you didn't need, you know, they just didn't do that part. And it was fine because, you know, they'd been to school and they knew what they were doing. But if we don't go all the way till the very last page and hit every single thing in the book, we feel like, right. how are they ever going to know failed. how many acres we live on? Or I don't know, like whatever, <laughs> right. you know. How many watermelons <laughs> we're buying? At the <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, I actually have an article on my website called uh, Why You Don't Have to Finish the Math Book. So we should link to that. Awesome. Yeah, for related sure. Related to this. Um, but then just to finish that thought, I think I said, you know, in elementary school, focusing basically on whole numbers, middle school, focusing on fractions, percents and decimals. And then high school is really all about that algebraic thinking, like learning to model real life mathematical situations with equations, to graph them, to understand those graphs. Um, and so to focus on that, if you're in high school and you feel like your child is behind, like that's the most important thing. Um, that's what's going to be on the SAT and uh, the ACT. Those are kind of the key topics there. Um, so if your child's behind, you know, it can be a very 
difficult, frustrating place to be. But if you focus on just the important things, you'll get caught up more. Um, and I also, I have an article on my website um, about one resource I really like for getting kids caught up through that elementary age stage. Um, so we can post to that in the show notes too. Uh, it's a book from Right Start called Activities for the AL Abacus. And it just helps kids kind of go through that process quickly and understand what they're doing um, in a real streamlined way, which is really nice. Okay. I love that you talked about that. Cause I feel like if I just saw the title of that book, I would be intimidated. Like yeah. it sounds <laughs> very, same thing. yeah, it sounds very fancy. So the fact that you're like, no, no, it's good. It'll help you get caught up. I'm like, okay. All right. I tried it's to a real it. gem, but it could use a different <laughs> title. Yeah. <laughs> Can I throw in a question that I just mm-hmm. thought of when you were talking about high school? Yeah. Do you have a recommended approach to the maths after algebra? Because so, everything I read is different. <laughs> and I think the really hard part about that is that at that point, kids are so differentiated in terms of like where their math skills are at and where their goals are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kids are really aiming for different things at that point. Um, so I have, you know, like a series of books that I like and I've used with um, like the tutoring students. Mm-hmm. Um but there's not kind of a one size fits all at that point because right. um, it's so varied in terms of where kids are trying to get to. Okay. I mean, you know, some kids are trying to be engineers and some kids just want to get it be done. Um, Great. Exactly. <laughs> can I get into college, you know, or right. can I have, do I have enough practical math to be able to enter a trade or, you know, there's just so many different directions where kids are going at that point. And fam- so, you know, there's a lot of options out there, but it does require some sifting uh, for families to figure out what matches where their child is trying to go. I think you kind of answered this one already, but this the question is, how long to stay with addition math facts to 10? If your child doesn't seem to be getting it, is it okay to move on to subtraction, time, money, etc.? Sounds like the answer is yes. Yeah, right. But to not to something where that they'll really need the addition facts for, because then that will be very tedious. Um, and then I think the other thing I'd say about that is just that what um, covering the addition facts to 10 so far has looked like varies a lot from family to family. Um, and so, you know, that parent may have tried a lot of different things yet, or maybe you've just been doing piles of flashcards. And so, you know, if one approach isn't working, next time you come around to it, you might want to mix it up a little bit. Um, if you were going for more of a rote memorization approach before, you probably want to use more of like a strategy approach next time around or use games or something that's like that. But if you were doing a real strategy approach before and you felt like your kid wasn't getting fast enough, then you will probably want to switch to more of a rote strategy for getting building speed and automaticity. Um, so mixing up the approach, um, it will probably help. But moving on is also fine and coming back around. And do you have any resources or recommendations for developing good habits in math? Oh, that's a good one. I love that question because it um, so much of mathematical thinking is a set of habits, right? It's a way of thinking about the world that we're helping kids um, discover and explore. Um, so when it comes to kind of like the real like nuts and bolts of math, I, the number one thing you can do is try to get your child writing neatly <laughs> from an early age. Oh my gosh. It's so <laughs> hard. struggle over here is so bad. <laughs> yeah, and I have I have a messy one too. So I'm not saying like, oh, just do that. It'll all be great. <laughs> all over the desk right now because he was just here. And oh. whenever I go to 
I'm like, I can't even see what this is. I can't, I have to write it over. I don't even know what you're doing. (laughs) Because it's hard to, especially for computational kind of stuff, right? When your things are a mess, it's hard to see what to do. Graph paper can be a big help, but of course, Mm -hmm. some kids resist it. But that's usually my number one um, recommendation if you have someone who's messy. But, and especially um, as kids transition to, uh, like the upper grades, like for an algebra, like learning how to write your equations neatly, one per line. Um, it's it's tedious and it takes sometimes takes a lot of fighting, but it does make a huge difference um, for kids being successful and for getting used to writing it down. Like I often tell my algebra students, like what we're doing here is we're teaching your pencil to just know what to do automatically. And it takes a lot of written practice to be able to do that. I like Um, that, taking it off the student and putting it on the pencil. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. You just want your pencil to know that like we are going to subtract four from both sides and then we're going to simplify. Like it just needs to be that automatic. That's the habits we're building. Um, Another nuts and bolts thing that's a very important habit is to teach children how to read math Um, because kids often approach their math book the way they approach like reading a novel, but it's an entirely different kind of reading skill. You know, they have to learn how to read really slowly to understand every single word, to stop and think, to match the text to the examples and consider what the connection Mm -hmm. is. Um, And so teaching that as a specific skill um, pays off and it also helps kids become more independent which of course is super helpful <laughs> which we all need um, you do not want to be sitting there having to read and explain the math textbook for every lesson um, you know in 10th grade uh, so neat writing and reading math are two nuts and bolts skill um, and then also related to that is uh, checking the work it's often very helpful to get in the habit of giving your child immediate feedback on their uh, work so they know if they're on the right track or not. You don't want them practicing the wrong thing, right? (laughs) You don't want them doing 20 problems the wrong way. If it's possible to check their first three problems or so as they get started on an assignment, that's ideal. Oh, smart. Um, Oh, yeah. I've never thought of that. But yeah, yeah. Um, And this depends, of course, on the kid's age. Um, but if you can either check the work as soon as they finish or have them check their own work as soon as they finish, it makes that checking a lot more powerful. It gives you a chance to nip anything that's going wrong right in the bud. Um, and just and also gets that checking done so you don't end up with a stack a month later that's not even worth checking anymore, but you're not sure how it went. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy to have happen. Uh, I, how did you I know that happened? Yeah. <laughs> I have some experience with that. Uh, so the more you can do it right then. And and for older kids, it's really empowering for them to check their own work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for mm-hmm. them to look through and for them to feel like, oh, it's my responsibility to figure out like what went wrong here or to figure out where I need to ask questions or where I need help um, to make it to give them some of that responsibility and ownership of their own work. Um And I guess the last habit that I would talk about, this is more general, it's not so nuts and bolts, but teaching kids to make connections in math is the most powerful habit of mind, I think, that you can give them. Um, And really, comparison and contrast questions are so awesome for that, and they're so easy. Like, how is this addition word problem like the subtraction word problem? How is it different? Mm -hmm. You know, how are the setups the same or the different? How how are the operations the same or different? Um, It works in geometry. You know, how is this? 
the triangle like a rectangle? How is it not like a rectangle? Um, so those kinds of compare and contrast questions can be very helpful for making those connections and helping kids build that big picture of math so that all those little details slot into place. Oh, that's so good. I just when you were talking about reading math, I flashed to what we were using with my son last year. And I was like, I didn't even want to open the book because there was so much on every page. Mm -hmm. I just found it completely overwhelming. And like, where is my eye even supposed to go? And then <laughs> you and I talked over the summer. Thank you. <laughs> um, and we have simplified, you know, we've, we've got a new curriculum now that's working really well. And it's just, it's just it's it's so much less like it's still <laughs> learning the concepts that he needs to learn but it's just so much less on the page and i just thought i i you know I, he was he was doing okay with it but i was i had a block with it cuz there was just so much you know and mm -hmm. it was like so even talking about like you know let's do page 35 and 36 and you know whatever it was like I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to school today, you know? <laughs> right, right. I, I even feel that way reading math. Like I have to steal myself, you know, and I, I have a math major. Like I've read a lot of math in my life, but it's still, you just have to put yourself into a different frame of mind to do it, to sit down and be like, I'm ready to read carefully and slowly. And I know I'm not just going to be like turning pages fast here. Yeah, that's smart. And what like a huge skill to teach our kids now and then as they you know keep going through life that you know sometimes you do have to slow down it's different kinds of information you're taking in and you can't read it like it's a harry potter book you know like <laughs> i just want to find out <laughs> if harry's okay <laughs> how are the quadratic equations <laughs> let me just skip to the end <laughs> exactly exactly um so this is a question from a mom who has a child who is dyslexic and she is wondering if you have resources for algebra when your child is dyslexic and the letters jumble. Oh, yes. Algebra can be very, very difficult for kids with dyslexia. Cause of course, so much about dyslexia is about interpreting letters and symbols, which is what algebra is all about. Um, and so for kids with dyslexia, um, things that make the algebra, all those letters and symbols concrete is the, can be the biggest help to them. Um, and there's a few different resources for that. Um, one program that is very good is called Hands-On Equations. And it um, kind of helps kids understand with physical manipulatives what they're doing when they manipulate equations. Another thing that's like that is called Algebra Tiles. Um, and they're really nice because they can be used with any program. So if you're already using a particular algebra program, you can get those and use them to like act out um, what's happening in the book. Um, if you get those, definitely buy the book that explains how to use them. Um, they're a little bit <laughs> cryptic. Like, just get this out of like plastic blocks is not helpful. But there's a, there's a book on how to use them that you can use then to kind of translate your algebra book to the algebra tiles and to use them effectively. Um, and then Math You See is also a very hands-on manipulative-based program. And they have uh, great visuals for connecting, um, you know, some meaning, some concrete meaning to all of those symbols. Um, so those would be kind of my top recommendations for making uh, algebra more intelligible for kids with dyslexia. Perfect. I, I was just remembering that somebody gave me a bag of Cuisinart rides when my yep. kids were tiny, but there was nothing to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just this, and she was a Towers. former teacher. Yep, so mm -hmm. she had 
tons of all of that. So it was like this gigantic, like five pound bag of these <laughs> things that I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. Like just, <laughs> are we going to build with them like Legos? I don't even know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Instructions are helpful. <laughs> so I like yeah. that to get the book that comes with the algebra tiles. Mm-hmm. And that sounds, that actually sounds kind of fun. It sounds like a way to make algebra, I don't know, a little more fun. They're very helpful, especially when kids are first understanding the idea of balancing equations. I've used them with one of my tutoring students, and they were pretty amazing. So definitely recommend those. Awesome. Would it be something you could use with multi-age, too? Like if I'm thinking of a family that I know where one kid is really into algebra, and then the little brother is really into the big brother being into algebra. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you could. (laughs) The hands-on equations would also also be great for that because you could kind okay. of do that with or without the real algebra part. You can just because sometimes the, the developmental shapes. under he has the motivation, but maybe not. It's just a little harder to explain. Mm-hmm. Right. So then it makes it more concrete. So really, and and then it bugs him because he really just wants to know it. <laughs> algebra. I just want to know. Yes. <laughs> I wonder, I is this like that. the same child that wanted to do extreme dot to dots when he was like yes, three? Yes, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> this child likes to suffer. 536. <laughs> yep. That mean mom <laughs> making her kids do pool. it by the pool. Like, I did not make him bring this to the pool. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Native. Native creates safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. Native's products are made with trusted ingredients and you can trust the performance. And if you aren't convinced, check out their more than 8,000 five-star reviews. Native products are formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc, filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. There's no animal testing and free shipping and returns. And we know their deodorant works because we use it. (laughs) And Kate, you've been doing like some intense workouts lately, right? I have been. I've been doing something called Spenga and then like teacher fit workouts, which are like CrossFit. So pretty intense. And this works. Definitely works. I'm impressed. And Kara, what have you been doing lately? Mostly yoga. But that doesn't mean I'm not sweating all the time. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'm loving Native. I'm loving my my deodorant. And I even grabbed a little travel size because I'm going out of town this weekend and I don't want to have to use anything else. So for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code HOMESCHOOL during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code HOMESCHOOL during checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. I think we have one last question. Is that right? So this question is from Gina and Gina writes, my 10 year old has dyscalculia and while she is in fifth grade, she is currently only at about a second grade level. Math concepts are extremely hard for her to comprehend and her working memory is very low functioning. She can learn concepts and slowly master and then forget the next day. This is a very hard road. What can I do to help her not only now, but I fear for her future if she can't master past multiplication? Where does that leave her when she arrives at higher level math? How will she graduate? And even further, how will she handle college? Help. Oh, I just want to give Gina a big hug, don't you? Yes. Oh, Gina, we are sending you a very big hug because that is very stressful and very difficult. Um, and so I, my first piece of advice to Gina is just to not worry about all the years ahead, you know, 
kids change, situations change, and there are lots of ways to deal with this. You are not the only parent whose child is struggling with this. And there are ways, um, there are lots of ways of handling this. So as much as you can to let go of the next 10 years and to focus on, you know, your daughter in front of you today and what is best for her right this minute and best for you right now. Um, so that's number one. <laughs> Take a deep breath and try to try to uh, not worry too much about the future. Um, and then for looking at the current situation, I feel like sometimes homeschool moms really need um, like permission to think about it like a classroom teacher. You know, if Gina's daughter were in school with a diagnosed learning disability, lots of things would be happening for her. And it is absolutely a-okay. And in fact, strongly encourage that Gina do those kinds of things for her child. I think moms sometimes worry that they're cheating, you know, or that there's something that by making any changes to the program, um, they're not doing it right. And that's not the case. So schools usually think about these things in terms of what they call accommodations and modifications. Um, you know, accommodations are like the kinds of helps that you give your child to be able to do the work. And modifications are the actually changing what the expectations are from usual grade level. And so both of those things should be like tools in your toolbox as you're approaching this. Um, so in terms of like accommodations, you know, Gina mentioned that her daughter has trouble with like working memory. If she has trouble with working memory, the math fact mastery is going to be very difficult. And so it's perfectly fine to provide her with an addition facts chart, a multiplication facts chart, you know, so that she doesn't have to be keeping all those things in her working memory. It's fine for her to have lists of things like uh, measurement equivalents. It's fine for her to have like a worked out example of a two digit multiplication problem so that she can see the steps in front of her and follow one step at a time as she goes through that. Um, so I'd really encourage Gina to use those sorts of things. You know, ultimately her daughter will probably use a calculator a lot. It's also fine to start introducing that at this point. Um, I wouldn't say to just like skip over all those calculations because kids do learn a lot about the number system through the process of working through multiplication problems or division problems by hand. They learn a lot about place value with adding and subtracting. And those are core understandings you don't want to skip. But you also, again, this is where you don't have to work everything to mastery, especially for a child for whom this is hard. And it's perfectly reasonable for her to have some accommodations to help her work through the grade level material. Now, on the other side of that is the modifications. Um, how do you change the program to make it reasonable for what she's able to do? Because no child should be um, basically facing a task that's impossible. Right? That's yeah. not good for anybody to be like, yeah. oh, here's all this stuff and I, I literally can't do it. She has a learning disability that may make some more abstract parts of mathematics just not possible. And so, you know, I'm sure Gina, Gina's goal is to make her child functional math, help her child have the skills she needs to deal with daily life. Um, and so, for example, for modifications, um, simpler word problems are just fine. You know, if, if her daughter is just doing kind of basic computations with word problems, that is a-okay. Um, something like Singapore math, which has really complex, difficult word problems, not for her. And that's fine. <laughs> that's not what's appropriate for <laughs> her. Um, and doing fewer problems and streamlining the program to focus on the more essential things like we talked about earlier. You know, if geometry and measurement and such are fun um, and provide some variety, great, do them. But if you're stressed out just kind of covering the basics, it's okay to just cover the basics. 
Um, and then also related to that, just just trying to add some fun to math. When it is going to be a, um, if it does feel like it's a tough, difficult subject, you know, read some picture books, cook, sew, garden, do all those kinds of things that put math into real life um, so that her daughter has a chance to, uh, you know, apply it, which is what she'll ultimately need to do, but also has some fun with math, can enjoy numbers, and not always have it be a, a difficult, challenging thing for her. But I'm with you, Gina, sending you lots of hugs because that is a uh, that is difficult and I can understand the stress of that. Oh, I love that because, I mean, you have such a gentle, caring approach and yet you have all these resources to like also point people toward it's like the perfect combination i think because <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Very sweet of you. i remember i i, I might have called you this summer and i was in a little <laughs> bit of a panic and you were able to first of all just completely put me at ease and then second of all provide like these options that i didn't even know existed that have completely changed things for us here oh. so i just um i hope you'll come back again will you come oh, back again with more questions <laughs> And I'm so glad to hear that, Kara. I'm so glad math is going better at your house. Yeah, yeah. Music to my ears. That's right. I promised you updates, didn't I? So, yes, it's going better. And now (laughs) all of our listeners know. (laughs) 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 Um, So people are going to want to connect with you more for sure. So can you tell everybody where to find you? And, of course, we'll put links to everything in the show notes. So, Sure. My website's uh, kateshomeschoolmath.com. And I've got lots of articles there. We'll definitely yeah, include the links to the articles I mentioned. Um, but I'll also just say that I have also a email course called Homeschool Math 101 on that page. Um, and it's just 10 emails that kind of give parents like a general introduction to teaching homeschool math, um, helps them understand kind of the big picture of what they're trying to accomplish. So if anyone's inspired from this to want to you know, grow as a teacher, that's just a real easy way to do it. And it's just right there at kateshomeschoolmath.com. Perfect. Okay. And before we go, we always like to ask if there's something that's bringing you joy right now. Oh, and I love that question so much. So uh, I play the viola in a very mediocre fashion, but I really (laughs) enjoy it. I just absolutely love it. And this fall, I joined a local community symphony. Oh, my gosh. So like scary and overwhelming, like so much music and I have to practice so much, but it brings me so much joy to be able to go play Brahms and Haydn and Rimsky-Korsakov on Tuesday nights and saw away with my fellow violists. So that is bringing <laughs> me great joy right now. I um. love this. You're such an example of a lifelong learner because weren't you, and hopefully I don't get this wrong, but weren't you learning all the bird sounds? Yes, I've Last made some time. progress. I have, yes, I do. I am like a total nerd and I love learning about all sorts of different things. So, <laughs> And we could probably go down like a whole rabbit trail of like how music and math are more connected mm-hmm. than a lot of us realize, right? So, mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> Aww. What about that you? That would be a fun oh. episode. Yeah. <laughs> Touching on some of that. Just. <laughs> um. We are going away tomorrow just for 24 hours, but we're going up north, northern New Hampshire into the White Mountains area where we're staying over at one of those huts and hiking with the kids. And it will be the first time we've done that with the kids and the foliage should be pretty good. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, New Hampshire in the fall. New Hampshire in the fall. I complain about it in February, but it is gorgeous right now. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Kara? I have a new tea. 
I, I know everyone's going to be surprised that ready. I have more tea to recommend. Um, this is Tazo Butterscotch Blondie. Oh and gosh, kids would love that. our friend Mary um, shared that she was doing the vanilla. It's, it's this whole new thing. Tazo has like these dessert teas that they just came out with. And I might have ordered the three pack online. <laughs> <laughs> just possibly. I don't know how many there are, if there's only three or but or if there's just I bought the three pack, but there's uh vanilla macaroon, uh vanilla or butterscotch blondie and lemon something. It's right here, so I'll look at it. L- glazed lemon loaf. So wow. <laughs> I'm living my best life over here with all my tea. Excellent. Yesterday Sounds it delicious. turned it turned my whole day around when I thought I had a tick in my bottom and <laughs> <laughs> it was just a craft feed. <laughs> and I, I was laughing so hard that I had to read that to my kids. And they were like, "No wonder you're friends." <laughs> I'm always like, "Is this a dick?" We had literally <laughs> been at the nature the center. Yeah, like that's all. We, yeah, we ticks every night. I don't I pay them for anything. I pay them a buck on the spot if they find a tick on a friend or themselves. <laughs> <laughs> So they're constantly like our whole house is like that a dick? Is that a dick? Yeah. Why you get over here? I was <laughs> convinced, and I couldn't see it. I didn't have my contacts in. It was in a location where it was hard to twist, <laughs> but it was just a bead. I sat on a craft bead, so that's kind of tick right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's amazing how fast your mind goes from like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to show a doctor my butt. And like just the whole, you know, you just go down this whole thing and then it's like, oh, wait, never mind. Now I just go make breakfast. So yeah. perspective. Things just yes. got better. So good. <laughs> all right. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being here and answering all these questions. And we will definitely we need to start planning now for you to come back. We'll have a list of questions a mile long. But <laughs> well, it was a pleasure to be here. It's so fun to hang out with you guys. And I'm happy to do it anytime. Yeah. Thanks for being our math phone a friend. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we need it. My next sure. website. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a great rest of your day. You Thanks, too. Sarah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next. So head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com and click on ask us a question. We share posts over there too. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, you've got this sister.